Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I am an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. I'm always welcoming you to your living room. I know. I love it so much. God, I, I feel... I'm going to open these windows. I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for sure. I want to say the last time we saw... Or the last time we were scheduled to record and didn't... Um, was when my grandma passed, and that's been over yeah. a month ago now. So I haven't seen you for over a month. Oh my god, it's just so dumb. It's all of unacceptable. Yeah, the entirety of August and most of July. Oh my god, I haven't seen you this summer. <laughs> no, she passed on the twentieth. Yeah. Um, and I think it was like the week before that that we had recorded. Yeah. It's yeah, because you had to go, you had to go back home. Yeah, right? yeah, I spent a week at home. Um, because she passed, and at the same time, my dad was really sick. He is in the process right now of getting his gallbladder removed. Um, oh. apparently, a gallbladder can be so infected that you like have to go through the process of like relieving the infection before it can safely come out. I didn't oh. know that was a thing. Um, but she passed, and my dad, um, it was actually his mom that passed, and he was sick the whole time. He's been sick the whole time. Um, so I spent about a week at home, and then came back to just, like, some more chaos here. <laughs> it's been, like, as I was telling Christina, like, as we walked in, or as, as they walked in today, just, like, um, this has been such a season of, like, chaos and push, and I can feel that I'm finally coming out of that. So, like, yes, today is the correct day, the mm. correct day for us to talk. Push. That's so funny. On my drive here, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna stop trying. Yes, yes. And that was like the end. There was no like qualifier of like what what I'm stopping trying. I was just like, I'm, I'm just gonna quit. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna quit I'm gonna quit trying. Yup. To do anything. It's honestly like it's <laughs> terrifying. I'm tired. <laughs> We're tired and like. I don't know. I, I feel like I've just had so much experience at this point in the cycle of like, no matter how hard I try, I'm always given exactly what I need at exactly the right time. Mm-hmm. And that's whether I'm putting in 170% effort or just like relaxing and being with my body and my life and like letting things come as they come and go as they go. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to lean into like, I can try less hard and shit's going to work out. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know if that's true for me. Um, I like if I try really hard, nothing happens. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, if yeah. but if I don't try, I usually end up with what I need and want. But it's so fucking hard not to try to it's like hard. control something and mm-hmm. manage it. I spent the entire weekend reading uh, Codependent No More. Oh, God, is this your first read-through? Yeah. Oh, shit, it's a big one. 
And I was like, okay, well, I have a codependent relationship with not only people, but things. Yep. Yes. And I was like, that is fascinating. Because, like, growing up in, like, the era that we did, like, yay, millennials, um, we we have like a particular understanding of codependence or at least I did yes. that like it was in relationship to people and about like us putting our worth in other people which is accurate and true but I did not know that it came from AA and yeah. that it came yes. that yeah. it came in response to dependence or yes. addiction mm-hmm. and I was like that makes so much sense because Marlene Wenell the one who defined religious trauma syndrome yes has noted in her research that growing up with religious trauma in an evangelical religion has the same effect as growing up with an alcoholic parent. 100%. Like, the same effect. Yep. So, like, those of us who came out of that, like, codependent tendencies are, like, almost the same. Yep. Rampant. Because it's the same, because it's the same... A very similar trauma in your body. 100%. I'm trying I mean, to manage something like that. I don't remember whether it was after I discovered Marlene Winnell or before. I don't remember, but um, I remember at some point in time it occurred to me that relationship between um, like me and my parents in ways was not dissimilar to the parents or the children of alcoholics. Yeah. Um, because in ways, what it felt like was there was this entity that when push came to shove was more important to my parents than a relationship with me. Yeah. And so like I spent my entire life trying to like be the right thing so that I could fit into that framework and like yeah. not trigger yeah. the, their dependence on God mm-hmm. to cause them to like fuck off with me. Yeah. Because it's a very like tightly managed system yeah like it's a yes. very precarious if you balance. upset the balance if you upset the balance i always knew i was going to be the one to like go yeah like if i upset the balance between my parents and god and myself i was going to be the thing that got sacrificed yeah before god yeah i mean we literally yeah. were told the story of 100%. abraham sacrificing isaac so yeah there was no doubt in our minds no, no we knew <laughs> it was we laid out very clearly explicitly told <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah. No, Codependence is... I'm so excited you're reading that book. It's good. It's like a mind fuck, but it's good. It's really, really fascinating. You know, um, I'm glad I didn't come into it until more recently because um, it's it's written in the 70s, early 80s maybe, Um, and it's written from the perspective of Al-Anon or Alcoholics Anonymous. So there's a there's a religious base to it and mm-hmm. she refers to God as he like and talks about, you know, Christianity's great, quote unquote, but like, you know, the she's basically like coming from that perspective. However, Absolutely. like the the basis underneath it and all the research is yeah. dead accurate. Yeah. Science. And fantastically mm-hmm. fascinating. And I think it's hard cuz like Early on in deconstruction, it's hard to hold that nuance exactly. to be able to like yeah. see that people can be coming from a framework that does include religion that has been toxic and harmful to us, while also holding really like beautiful and important perspectives for our healing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I know that feeling so well of like, oh, if I had read this five years ago, would not be good with it. It would not have landed well. <laughs> no, and like I think, I think nuance is exactly the point there. Like uh-huh. it's really. 
it that that is a sign of healing and like you can't yes. rush that no. and also like I feel like my life is filled with nothing but nuance right now. It's so exhausting, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, but mm, I really want, like, when when all of me wants to jump into a binary way of thinking, yes. I'm just like, nope, that's not right either. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, not everything that's like this is a cult. Not yes. everything yes. that likes this is, not everything that's a religious is bad. Not everything that, like, uh-huh. it's just so, there's yes. so, like, you have to actually... Be an evolved, yes. discerning human to, like, exist within it. 100%. It's not easy. And we weren't taught no. to We weren't taught to actually use our instinctual yes. intuition. We were taught, no. to, you know, the Bible was our intuition. Yes. And it's only, like, you. it comes back to what you said about, like, things just start to fall into a binary. Like, it's either good or it's bad. And I'm either in or I'm out. And, yeah, yeah Amanda and I actually had a conversation in therapy that was super similar this week. Um... Like, I've been walking through um, just some relationship stuff that I'm navigating, and in one of my current partnerships, there are dynamics that, like, resemble some of the, like, toxic, like, patterns that I felt in in past relationships. Mm. But they're not toxic. They're just, like, coming from a completely different space. And mm. I mean, then I were talking through that, and I was like, I don't know if I should see this as a red flag and just be like, fuck it, I'm out. Mm. And Amanda was like, well... No, 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 because the difference here is you. Like, you were engaging in those behaviors previously very unconsciously, and you were just, like, welcoming Mm. whatever came and, like, absorbing it as though it were all truth. I couldn't hold the nuance. Mm. And she was like, at this point, this relationship can be a beautiful healing space for you because you're sitting and asking the right questions. Like, you're you're looking at things as they are and being like, okay, this looks like a historical pattern I've seen before. I'm going to keep an eye on that. Because it's not playing out in the same way. There's not the same toxicity attached to it. Hmm. But the pattern looks the same. Like, there are elements of it that look the same. But she was like, that's the part that means you can be healthy of this is because you're actually looking. Like, you're looking through clear eyes and you're able to hold nuance. Um, And those are the spaces where we heal. She was like, we don't actually heal when we toss everything that's challenging to us we heal when we are in situations where some of those dynamics exist and we're, we're able to like acknowledge them for what they are mm-hmm. and also hold space for the fact that sometimes we have to heal in messy, messy context because yeah. we were harmed in messy context. Yeah. And like, I want to point out that like, again, with the nuance, like this relationship for you right now sounds like a healthy thing. This yeah. exact same relationship Oh. at a different period of time would be horribly would unhealthy for you. Disastrous for me. Uh-huh. Again, because of where yes. you were and how your body would register it. There, uh-huh. there would be nothing, yes. quote-unquote, wrong or bad or unhealthy yeah. about you ending that relationship. Yes. I mean, at any point for whatever reason. Yeah. But, like, in the past because it didn't feel good to you. It didn't feel good Because the, there's, like... It, it is all dependent on how it is for you. Yes, exactly. And, like, again, you're right. Like, we need challenges and we need to be in spaces yes. that can, like, allow us to heal, be in those messy yes. spaces. But if with we're not ready... People. Yes, with safe people. Yes. And if we're not ready, is anyone safe, though? Uh, we, yeah. we can come well, back yes. to that. That's true. <laughs> but because, it, because it's contingent on, on you. Me, yeah. 
And you are not wrong. I'm not, I'm not wrong. I'm not in a, I would have been a very different person inside a relationship of this exact nature five years ago. Mm -hmm. I would have been showing up in it completely differently. And also that part of it is like, yeah, I I love that you mentioned like safety, safety is such a nebulous concept (laughs) to me at this point. Like anytime, like I, I have a really challenging relationship to the concept of safety because I genuinely believe that like in most circumstances outside of things like systemic oppression and like a lot of the realities that are true and concrete that make it safe to live that make it unsafe to live in specific bodies in Mm -hmm. this culture but like in general my safety is sourced from within yeah because I can trust myself to recognize a bad situation and get myself the fuck out at this point Mm -hmm. so in a way it's like other people can be safe or not safe. I am safe because I believe. Like, if I start to recognize mm-hmm. a dynamic that is, like, not good for me, I will simply exit the storyline. Yeah. I wouldn't have done that five years ago. Yeah, safety is such an interesting concept. Yeah. But, like, it's been a game changer that within the context of this relationship, I'm going to say it's not a safe person. It's an aware person mm-hmm. who is also very, very aware of their own, like, tendencies, patterns, behaviors, how they interact with mine. Um, and that's been another key piece is like right now I can, at this point in my life, I can recognize humans who are ready to be in that like messy place where we're like growing and healing. And sometimes it's a little hurty, but in that like growing pains kind of way, um, I couldn't have done that five years ago. I wouldn't have recognized that energetic of like, I'm supported here by this person. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing to like codependence has been a deep ass exploration this past year for me too. I relate to that deeply. That's it's Yeah. There's, there's so much there. And like the, the thing that like at the crux of it is, is this concept of like, we're responsible for us Mm -hmm. and our feelings. And we cannot, no matter how much we try, control other people's feelings or experiences. Nope. So it's really about your peace. Mm-hmm. And, and you create chaos for the other person and yourself when you try to take responsibility for their experience. And mm. like I, I feel like I've been on both ends of oh, yeah. that. Yep. <laughs> and both are not great. <laughs> No, but like no. what you're talking about, like the awareness, like having that awareness of being able to be in messy places requires some semblance of a concept of I'm not responsible yeah. for. Oh, yes. Like and and mm, coming from a religious background, like I think it's important to like clarify, like not being responsible for how someone else is feeling doesn't mean you need to be a dick. It's not a permission slip to be a jackass. It's yes. not. No. It, and, like, most people don't want to be, so that's important. Yes. <laughs> but, like, it just means, like, being res- fully responsible for how you are feeling. How you are feeling it's actually not about that. the other person at all. Yeah. It's what you yep. need. It's how you feel. Mm-hmm. And and if you become a jackass when, when you make what someone else is feeling your responsibility mm-hmm. and you say i need you to blank so that i can i can blank. Feel okay because yeah what, yeah, what yeah. it comes down to is like and, and that's in ways the root of codependency that mm-hmm. um i cannot remember what the podcast was it'll come back to me at some point um i saw a podcast recently on codependence and boundary setting and one of the things that one of the ways that this person defined 
codependence was as the inability to be with other people's uncomfortable emotions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Or uncomfortable experiences. Deeply related. <laughs> Deeply related. But it's funny because like I, I think I have, we, we, when we are in our codependent space, it's really easy to like see ourselves as being like, this is a very altruistic thing. Like, I just want you to feel good. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be happy. All the things. Mm -hmm. And like when I started really examining the roots of it, it wasn't actually about the other person at all. It was me needing them to be in a specific space so I could feel comfortable. Yeah. There was just like, it was selfishness with some extra steps, <laughs> like yeah. extra steps that also like allowed me to make it look not selfish at all. It's so, oh, it's so messy. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not a good look on any of us. <laughs> and I've like looked back at, looked back at so many historical relationships in my life and had moments of being like, oh fuck. I actually fucked that relationship up because, or not fucked it up, but like I, I did not act in, in integrity in that relationship at all. And I caused harm to it. And some of them ended because I could not sit with the other person's uncomfortable situations, either in their own life or their uncomfortable feelings about who I am. Yeah. Um, I've lost some relationships to my own codependence. Yeah. That at the time, it didn't look like it was my quote-unquote fault at all. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely can see, like, all of the relationships in my life where my codependence has played a role, a huge role, mm -hmm. in the demise of the relationship. And taking accountability for that is the fucking worst. That's It's so hard. But also, that's the work. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> it's weird coming back to the fact that I said I'm going to quit trying. Like, oh, yeah. trying is... Like that managing, that controlling, that trying to make yes. something happen. Whereas like simply taking care of yeah. and taking like taking care of myself and taking responsibility for me yeah. is like not how I was taught to exist in the no. world and is also what's healthiest for people and systems in my yes. life. Yeah. It's interesting too. There's like grief that comes with it like local grief which it's there's grief in all of it but like did you say um, local grief local grief which <laughs> oh i was like <laughs> what is a local grief is that like local beef no a couple of my beloved are all, always organic like, i'll bring up grief and they'll be like oh friendly local grief witch and i'm like yep that's me i like um, it oh, that's oh. very cute <laughs> but um there's grief that comes with that because there are when you start confronting your codependence, and I'm assuming this is going to be a portion of your process and probably something you're already thinking about um, because of who you are as a person. But like the grief of, if I release my codependence, there are some relationships I will lose mm -hmm. because those relationships rely on me. It's like a mutually beneficial codependence. Like mm -hmm. I am benefiting from my codependence by like avoiding your discomfort and not having to sit with the reality of that and also you're benefiting from my codependence because I'm taking on a hell of a lot more than I should be than is my responsibility by trying to take care of your responsibilities instead of dealing with my own yeah or if you're more like me you're just like expecting and getting taken care of too yes. much <laughs> yes yep. and then when you start to take yes. more responsibility I, this has happened in relationships before like 
I start to take more responsibility and don't need that person in the same way and they don't feel loved because they get loved by feeling needed and then the relationship dissolves because it's like that dynamic is disrupted and like I I like halfway through this book and like reading through it I'm just like swinging back and forth from like but I'm like you know I see this side and that side and like I love that the author has been both an alcoholic and Mm codependent yeah because like they're both two sides of the same exact coin but like they play different roles depending on the relationship and it's like so it's so important to note because I just kept like seeing myself in both sides of it and I was like yeah it just it just depends on the dynamic and especially being socialized as a woman the expectation is you adapt to the people around you and make other people comfortable in that way so in that way i would take on a different role depending on Uh uh-huh but yeah i think it's important to note that some people like their way of receiving love entirely is based on them giving yes yeah i and mine has like been mostly the other way around is feeling like people can care for me people can care for me yeah yeah i'm i tend to be the um Historically, I have tended to be the one who like over functions. I, I tend to be yeah. the like needed. That was like my family story. Yeah. Um, like the one who's perpetually overgiving. It was. It's been interesting to like note how much my relationship to this has changed this these past <laughs> few years. Um, because I actually had a conversation with. Um, this was like very early on in one of my relationships, and I remember asking them like what they need, like what are like love languages, all the things, like what do you need from a relationship to feel love, seen, safe, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and they responded that they need to be needed. And I was like, this might not work then. Yeah. Cause. Cause no. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can't, I can't offer you that. And it's been so interesting cause we've like unpacked a lot of that together because mm. I think that was the first time someone has, had ever been like. Just named it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm so sorry. I cannot offer you that. Like, I, I can't offer you... I'm not compelled by di- dynamics that are based on need at this point. Because yeah. um, I've seen the ways that they just... They always inevitably tank in the end. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen it work any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's such a real... And I think especially those of us who grew up religious, mm-hmm. um, it's really easy to fall into that dynamic of, like, I don't know who I am inside this relationship unless I'm over-functioning. I don't know what value I have to bring to the table and I don't trust that I deserve to be loved mm-hmm. if I'm not overextending myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been a gift to explore like a healthy relationship to need dynamics. I have, yeah. whew, we're still doing some work in that category because <laughs> I have those same tendencies. Like <laughs> I have the same tendencies of like, if I'm not, if you're not absolutely consuming me. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Like, there's a reason that I fell in love with a man who was severely mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Because I, like, something inside me, like, needed to be able to, like, fix what felt broken. Mm-hmm. Um, feels powerful. It feels powerful. And in the end, it wasn't powerful at all for either of us. Like, not mm-hmm. that portion of our dynamic. Yeah. Um, yeah, need is an interesting thing that I think most relationships would do, would, like, benefit from doing some, like, processing around. <laughs> Yeah. I know. I really just want to be cool. I really just want... Oh, God. It's the story of my life. But I, like... You know, it's so, like... 
it's so like social media to to like be vulnerable sort of and also to like have your shit together oh and like oh. also to be ahead in whatever this category is and like like, I just, uh -huh. I, I just can't function like that. And I've realized, like, so much of what I do, like, the, the research that I do is not benevolent. It's like, mm. it's not for anyone else. Like, yeah. I love getting to talk to people about yeah. it. I love coaching. Like, mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. But, like, I'm learning this stuff not because I'm, like, I want to save you. No. I'm learning it because, like, I fucking need it. I'm and conversations with you <laughs> help me. Yes. Like, no, like that's exactly we it. need help together. No, that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. And I think there's something, for me personally, there's something really lovely about having reached that point where I'm like, I'm not trying to fix anybody else anymore. I'm just, like, looking at what's happening inside me through the most and clearest lenses that I have access to. Yeah. And if I can, like be alongside others in their journey while we do that same work. Cool. Yeah, like right. let's do that. Like let's right. be side by side in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, that, that like compulsion that you're talking about toward like, I need to be vulnerable, but also invulnerable. Yeah. And I need to like project. It's, it's Bible study. <laughs> it's Bible study. And like, honestly, like, <laughs> if it were possible to monetize having nailed that, I would be wealthy. I would be an incredibly wealthy woman. Because that's like where I sat for so many years was the the space of like people would have looked at the way that I wrote and the way that I showed up on social media and been like, oh my God, you were so vulnerable. And I would just want to look at them and be like, this is literally 5%. What you are seeing that feels yeah, like... This isn't... <laughs> this is... <laughs> uh, yeah. What well, yeah. I girl is not a like we are we are in deep waters over here. <laughs> there, okay, so there's another funny thing, and I think this is like in in codependence and just like cracks me up. But like I I told my like, <laughs> do you ever tell yourself you don't have a problem with something so much that it's just living in your shadow? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yes. like when I when I started. Um, first started coaching, my friend Eli asked me, like, do you ever feel like you're trying to, like, live this, like, trying to live in such a way that, like, people don't, like, people can look up to you and, like, yeah. feel the need to have all your shit together, basically. And my, like, ego was like, no. Yeah. Like, not at all. I feel fine being vulnerable and, like, whatever. <laughs> And like this past, I think it was last week, I was talking with one of my coaches and was like, I'm pretty sure I just like talked myself into keeping that in my shadow for a really yeah, long course. time. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's been there the whole time. It's been there the whole time. But it's like, I, that's how I was taught to deal with, yes. with like shadows or things I didn't like about myself because that's how my mom tended to do that. It was like, no, I'm, I'm very kind and very yes. whatever. Like, this is who I am. It's like. That might be who you want to be. Yes, that might be what you want to And that might be to. who I want to yes. be, but that's not really how I'm showing up. You know, it's like, actually, it's hard to look at reality. That's it's like, so hard. That's like my entire spiritual practice is to try and be present oh, with what is. God, yes. And yes. like that includes like acceptance and like accepting mirrors when they show up and yeah. being like, oh yeah, this is really fucked up and that's 
definitely um, how I'm doing things over here, you know? It's like a, such a, like, as soon as you have the, like, recognition of the fact that pretty much everything is in some way a mirror, like, everything in person in your life is in some way a mirror of you, God. Um, it's so beautiful and also infuriating, because, like, I... <laughs> That's part of my my spiritual practice at this point is when I'm feeling triggered by a person's behavior. Yeah. My question to myself becomes, like, okay. how am I doing this in other ways? Because inevitably, invariably, every yeah. single damn time, yeah, there's like some piece of the way that they're behaving that exists inside me. Yeah. yeah. Um. That's really obnoxious. Oh my <laughs> so god! Yeah. Like, sometimes it's like, I just want to be, be able to be mad at this person for their shitty mm-hmm. behavior without immediately being like, yeah, all right, bitch, let's, like, look back <laughs> at yourself. <laughs> How are you showing up with this same damn energy? Because you know you are. <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's one of the hardest. That's one of the yeah. hardest things. And it also makes me laugh so much. Yes. <laughs> I just, like, laugh hysterically anytime I, like, notice If you can, that. like, be with the absurdity of it, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. The people that you're just like, I don't like this kind of people, and then you're yes. like, yep, that's me. I am this kind of I people. I am this kind of people. <laughs> it's time to, for me, it's like a, it's like an invitation to find deeper self-compassion and acceptance. Yeah. Like, to name myself worthy in the midst of another, yet another discovery of my humanity. Yeah. You know? Like, here we go, yes. and I still love you, and you're still worthy. You're still worthy. And we can beat the air and be mad about it. Yes. And, but what we're not going to do is put it back in the shadow. No, we're not going to put it back in the shadow. Ugh, <laughs> uh, there's, I cannot wait, um, because I know it'll come at some point. Um, oh, I always talk about this fucking book, Self-Observation. God, um, I need to read it. At some, I cannot wait for the conversation you and I are going to have when you read this book. <laughs> so much of what you're saying is literally exactly what it is. It's like yeah. um, learning to be with what is in it just like its most unfiltered sense. And also mm. learning to be with what you are yeah. in your most unfiltered sense. And mm. he talks um, a lot about the pain of that. How like it is actually the most horrifying thing yeah. when you start to see all of the facets of yourself that are actually in conflict with one another and in conflict with your values. Yeah. And like, yeah. you, you, when you start to get some clarity on how fucking messy you are as a person, um, there's a lot there. <laughs> there's so much there. And that's, that's why so many people never do it because it's, yeah. it is gutting Yeah. to like, look at yourself honestly and be like, Oh, like I'm a good person and I'm also a bad person (laughs) and I'm also like all of the shades between good and bad because fuck a binary Mm. um yeah that like relentless self-honesty is a thing that I'm trying so hard to just like lean into at this point in my life um it's so I don't think I realized until this year, like, how much of my life I have spent, like, not actually being honest, primarily with myself, like, uh, yeah, like yeah. first and foremost with myself, so any, anytime I'm dishonest with someone else, it's because I am first being dishonest with myself. Well, yeah, that makes it ethical, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it doesn't make me a liar at all. We, we like, that, that's the loophole that we create, mm-hmm. it also helps us live with ourselves, Yes. You know? yeah. I, I um, remember being with a partner and having a conversation about, like, how they viewed me. And yeah. because I was living so much in my ego, not to say I wouldn't do this now, but, like, 
I was in a space where, like, their idea of me didn't match up with how I wanted what to be, be seen. Yes, yes. And I was fucking oh, furious. I was like, you don't love me. You don't know me. Because they had a different perception of me than I did. Uh-huh. And it's like, I, I didn't, I hadn't wrapped my head around it at all yes. at the time. The fact that, like, <laughs> you just don't even fucking know. Mm-hmm. I don't know who... Like, I know who I am to me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can see myself clearly all the time. That doesn't mean, like, I have any fucking clue as to how other people perceive me. No. And, yeah, you just gotta stop trying. You just gotta stop trying. You just gotta stop trying. (laughs) Oh, my God. I have missed you. I have missed you, too. It's been a wild month. Oh, God, it has been a wild month. We did, um, so, like... Grandma passed and then dad got sick and so like that two week period was just a mess and then I came back and my kids daycare um closed down for a week because they had positive COVID tests and multiple kids and so like Mm -hmm. that happened and then um this past week was like a little bit out of routine one of my partners was um in a solo parenting stretch and so we were like all kind of like popping into support and all of the things Mm -hmm. um so like nothing has been routine for like a month now and I'm so grateful to finally start be starting to like settle back into something that feels yeah. like my life. Mm. I know how that is. Every every bit of like control in me revolts when that kind of thing me happens. Too. It's really hard to settle into it and just me be like, too. "There's actually nothing I can control here. Like, yeah. Nothing I can do." Like here oh, we are. The week Colin was out of school was that like that on like on speed for me (laughs) like I I went into it I am um I have always no I'm not gonna say I've always understood about myself um because there was a time period when I was in the church and this was just like what we were taught that women were supposed to want that I was like I could be a stay-at-home mom (laughs) can you fucking no oh my god no like my I'm not built to be a stay-at-home mom. Part of my part of the way that I am a good mother to my son is in understanding my limitations for how much time I can spend with him as a single mom. Mm. Like when there's not anyone else. Like when he, when it's he and I here. Like there's nobody else to like help with him or like a second set of hands. And so like having that perspective of like no, it's actually okay for me to just know that I am not built to be with my kid twenty four seven. But when those time periods happen, because they occasionally do, it's like, Mm -hmm. um, and especially because we're living in a fucking pandemic, so um, every now and then we'll just have a time when things go sideways, and it's like a stretch of days where it's just he and I. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think what comes up for me in those moments is, A, just like the grief of having lost my my spaciousness in my life, because Mm -hmm. I love having quite a bit of spaciousness and solitude. Mm. Um, but the other thing that comes up with, that comes up is guilt for not being who I perceive I'm myself as like a supposed parent. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. like, I still feel that sensation sometimes, despite the fact that I, I'm aware of who I am and I know that it is really okay that I don't want to be a full-time mom. Um, but I still feel that sensation of like, God, if I was a better mom, I would just be fine with being with my kid for 10 days straight with absolutely no breaks. That would be cool. Like, if I were a better mom, that would be fine. Because yeah. I know women who do that all the yeah. time. 
And they're great at it. And they're great at it. And some of them, I also look at them and I'm like, oh, oh, honey, <laughs> like you have fully abdicated your personhood. And also I want to honor the fact that systemically it was set up for things to so, be that way. Yep. That's not you right. in many ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I have had such a like, I always feel like those are seasons where my, my motherhood wounds come up, mm. like the motherhood wound of like, I'm not who I was supposed to be. Yeah. Like, because there was such a specific framework for what a woman was supposed to be and how they were supposed to show up. Mm. Um, they would never use they, them pronouns. How she was supposed to show up. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that was just in there, though. <laughs> my friend was like, oh, the, the, the woman I was supposed to be would never use they, them pronouns. Um, <laughs> no, shit. Yeah, it's such a... Like, I, I feel like that's some of the tenderness I'm still kind of in right now is, like, deep diving into the parts of me that still mm. hold myself to a standard that isn't actually in line with my personal values, mm. but the story is still there. Yeah. I know we all have that shit, but fuck, when it comes up, I'm like, no, I thought I was done with it. I thought I was better. I thought I was better. I thought I had healed on that one retreat that I went to. <laughs> Wasn't I cleansed of all the toxins? I thought so. My God, yes. That turns out no. <laughs> turns out no. Turns out. <sighs> yeah, that's real though. I feel that deeply. Like, there's been so much grief for me in being a parent and feeling mm-hmm. the depth of, like, feeling like a complete failure. Oh, yep. You know, like, yeah. and and how that, like, I hear from some people, like, that's just how moms feel, and to accept that, and I'm like, I can't accept I can't, that. I don't accept that. I, I also, like, I'm trying, again, with the nuance, trying to hold the fact that, like, I will let her down and yeah. hurt her in many ways, mm-hmm. and I'm also doing the best that I can. And I'm ready to apologize later yes. and now yes. for all the ways uh-huh. I'm fucking up. And I don't need to like live and remain and exist in guilt. No, no. Our default position was never supposed to be guilt. Yeah, and it's not helpful either no. because if you respond to a child out of guilt, that's not a good precedent for them to understand relationship. No, no. I think that's the... That's been the one piece that's been really helpful for me is like getting clear on the fact that the primary thing I want to model for my child is the full expression of humanity, mm-hmm. which means, unfortunately, <laughs> some of the like some of the like specifics of my expression of humanity, they're not perfect. They're messy as fuck. Like, mm-hmm. and. And if I'm going to, like, model giving permission to myself to be fully human for my child, that means that it's actually a part of the package, that he gets to see the parts of me that are messy, and when I'm overstimulated, I'm reactive, and all of these things. But then he also gets to see the part of me that recognizes that in myself and comes to him. Even at two years old, I will sit down and, like, look him in the eyes and be like, 
buddy, I'm sorry. Mama was overstimulated. Yeah. And also that's not an excuse for the fact that I didn't treat you very well in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our, our kids need to see all of that. Cause like yeah. the problem with the way so many of us were parented wasn't that our parents weren't perfect. We didn't need perfect parents. No. We needed parents who could be with their imperfections and not let the guilt of being imperfect cause them to like be rigid with shame with shame and like locked down and not be able to apologize or acknowledge the harm they've done mm-hmm. like i i have thought so many times in my adult life i'm like just a couple apologies mm-hmm. <laughs> would go so far so far in terms of like me and my relationships with some of the authority figures that i grew up with you know um, what's interesting is i got apologies were they shitty ones no oh no, my parents were good at apologizing. Oh, um, I mean, obviously within the framework of religion, um, but there were there were like very specific instances. Mm. I can recall both of my parents apologizing oh, to that. me for having potentially caused harm or like they, they had an attitude and they apologized. Yeah. It's made it so much easier for me in my adult life to yeah. apologize to my kid and because other people because yep. I fucking saw it. Yep. I even have this memory of Awana camp and I was being an absolute sass on the volleyball court because I actually played volleyball in high school and I knew what I was doing and like the the ref said one thing and I was like no like that's not what the you know the call (laughs) and then he yelled at me and it like I laughed because that was my trauma response he came up to me later and apologized a grown-ass 40-year-old man came up and was like, I'm sorry, oh, I should not have responded to you that way. And I was like, thank you. Such a huge impact on me. Yes. I was just like, oh, this is how, like, healthy adults This is respond. what this looks like. Yeah. 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 It's funny, like, um, my mama is really good at, if I, if I, like, talk to her about the way a thing landed, um, she will course correct. Like she's, she's pretty good at like, mm. like I remember there, we had a conversation one of the most recent times I was home and there's like this behavior that she does. And I know it feels like an act of love to her. Like to her, it's her trying to love me well through the Christian God complex framework. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like love to me. It feels triggering as fuck every single time. Mm. Um, and so I like express that to her. One of these, re- these recent trips home and it was just like, I, I want to witness the fact that I know this like feels like a form of love for you. It does not land for as love for me. And I want to be clear on that. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to manipulate your behavior, but I do want you to understand that like when you respond this way, it makes it harder for me to be open with you. Um, so just like understand the consequences of continuing this. Yeah. Um, and she like course corrected, like the, that's something she's very good at. She's not necessarily great at like, um, apologizing without like that guilt energy of like, I end up like trying really hard not to like soothe her guilt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's actually quite good at like, she will course correct you like, if she knows that she's hurting me, she will stop. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's just that generation. He's like the John Wayne figure from every Western movie you've ever seen. <laughs> um, and just like an older, an older generation boomer. Mm-hmm. And like his, his genuine framework on apologizing is that it's, for, it's a sign of weakness. 
Um, and I've like accepted that as just like a piece of his trauma. I know that that is his shame, like internalized sense of shame. Yeah, and vulnerability does feel wrong when you're, <laughs> it feels terrible. like shit if you've never, I mean, if you've never done yes. it before. Yeah, yep. Oh, it's <laughs> terrible. But yeah, my, it's funny. Like I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you like talk about like having received good apologies, like genuine yeah. apologies for poor behavior. Um, and honestly, I don't know that I have a frame of reference for that for being apologized to by an authority figure that's like a that's a a pretty major piece of like um of my development my emotional relational development that just never really happened and i think that's one of the reasons it feels so important to me to like be a parent that apologizes to my child like Yeah. Like, even starting now, even though right now he does not understand, like, he doesn't fully understand. Yeah. Like, he can, like, he feel my it. energy and, like, he can, like, watch me try to connect with him. Also, you Ugh. doing it now just makes it easier as he gets older. Exactly. Because you have a practice. We're practicing. Yeah. yeah. It will never not be a part of his frame of reference for me that I apologize when I am human in a way that hurts him. Yeah. And is, is everything ever not a practice? The best things in life. <laughs> the best <laughs> things in life are really Practice. practice the worst things are the arrivals <laughs> all of practice. because it's not it's not true no <laughs> yeah i i had like i said significant uh um instances of adults apologizing to me that. but there was also a lot of like abuse especially religious abuse that did not come with apology yeah you know oh, yeah. so i got yeah. like both ends of the spectrum of and definitely saw people directly cause me harm and uh-huh. not do anything about it or yeah. ignore it or gaslight me on it or whatever it was which i was pretty much good at gaslighting myself by the time a lot of that <laughs> shit happened uh, so right. i don't know it's both and but those examples did have yeah. did have right. an impact yeah and the main impact being that it's with a little bit of space it's it's possible for me to do yeah. without without believing like without coming from a place of like needing having someone else need to rescue me in yes it, yes and where I don't even want them to yeah. but I would rather just be yes. able to offer that yeah. and you know yeah it's like it's such a healthier place because of that yeah, yeah. it's funny how I don't know if I have language on this yet. It's a thing my brain's been tossing around for about a week now. Um, I think one of the things I'm aging into and working my way into, this has been a lot of work, um, is the realization that the more simple we can make our communication with people around conflict, the more the likelihood that we are not asking them to take on additional emotional labor for our um yeah for for our emotions like i'm mm-hmm. i i find myself and i i think this is a part of the church paradigm in many ways like i tend to be an over explainer it's also part of my neurodivergence package um i tend to be an over explainer mm-hmm. but what i found in a number of interactions recently is that like simplicity can be really like such a gift because I've had scenarios where people came to apologize to me and the apology was very over explainy and so I had to like I ended up caretaking them and yep, being like yep, yep. no I hear you and I, so I'm like holding space for a 30 minute apology <laughs> and then I'm like trying to like 
navigator, like I'm helping them process their feelings of guilt toward me. And it's yeah. like all of these things. It's not my fucking job. And that's not my job. <laughs> like you literally could, this could have been like a text message or two sentences said to my face. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then but, process on your own time. And then process on your own time or with another trusted friend that yeah. is not me. Yeah. Um, but like. I, I've been taking that into my own life because I also know that I have been that. That's that's one of those areas where I'm like, oh, it annoys me when people do this. Oh, well, I do me. this. <laughs> I do this. <laughs> like, um, my my tendency is when I'm feeling out of sorts or guilty or shame, I overexplain. Mm. And so I'm learning the value of simplicity in my communication with people especially when that communication could bring up tender feelings for either one of us like yeah direct and to the point can be a gift yeah god 1000 (laughs) percent. because there's nothing worse than like someone coming to you with an apology that is then a ginormous explanation for their own behavior yeah and you're like yes okay like Go to therapy. <laughs> Go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna hold like it's yes. what? What are we doing? What are we doing? You're here? right. Simple simple is better. It yeah. takes um it takes emotional capacity yeah. to be able to do what you're talking about. It takes so to much say, emotional like, capacity. I'm because what you're do what you're doing when you're over explaining is trying to manage how that person sees you yes. in your apology. And how they perceive you right now, instead because you the, want to make sure yes. they see you in this particular way. Uh-huh. Instead That's of letting what them that have is. their authentic experience. Yes, yeah, exactly. Whereas you just go to a, if you just go to a person and say, "I see that I did this, and yeah, it was hurtful you. to you. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, yeah. and I'm interested in making amends." Yeah, like that. Literally, just that right there, mm-hmm. um, for me, is a perfectly adequate apology. And then if that person wants to like talk with me through the specifics beautiful but like the emotional weight of the conversation is on me right yeah like i am the one holding space for someone else's experience not the other way around yeah yeah it's such an interesting i feel that way too um weirdly as it relates to making direct requests and Hmm. saying or hearing no Hmm. um that's another one of those categories where if i make a direct request to someone and it's a no i would rather just hear a no than like the hour long explanation that I again have to hold space for and like like because usually that's coming from a place of guilt. They're like trying to over explain why they're saying no. They're trying to manage how you experience <laughs> them in the no. Jesus like, fucking like it's really like genuinely. I would love this to just be a yes or no question, and then we can move yeah. on. Yeah, like, like the that explanation is never about. No. It's never about the person you're saying never. something to. It's about you. Nope. And so, like, also, I do that shit. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just ranting because, yes. you know, Yeah, definitely same. I mean, we only know this because we've done it. We know because we've done it. But it's like, it is that exact feeling of, like, I, I, I don't want to hold... <sighs> I have so many thoughts on space. <laughs> so many thoughts on space holding that's like a, yeah. a constant evolution for me right now yeah <laughs> but like when you're when someone is coming to you with an apology or a no yeah. like your job is not to hold space for Ugh. them no. your job is to have your own experience of yes. it to receive it to, receive to it. accept it and to go and on to with... fucking move on yes 
yep. Like That's with whatever direction, like yeah, you know, you feel good about them. Yes. Because when when like we do when we do the overexplaining, like when I notice this in myself, it's genuinely coming from a place of wanting to manage how another person sees my yeah. expression of no. Yes. Yes. Because I don't want them. We've been taught in so many ways, especially where no is concerned. We've been taught in so many ways to like view saying no as a a character deficit. Mm -hmm. Like the the better person would say yes, Um, and so like I think there is that natural instinct to be like, okay, I'm saying no, but please know I'm a good person. Please don't please don't think I'm a bad person. Please, (laughs) these are all the reasons that I'm still a good person. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) These are the reasons that it doesn't affect how blah 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 blah. This is like... Oh, it's so messy. Being a person is so fucking messy. It's all the same thing. It all comes back to managing how other people feel. Managing perception. Yeah, and managing your own perception, which you can't fucking do. It's an illusion. But God, it's so hard to sit with the simple... Giving a simple answer. I had to like... I probably still have this somewhere. Um, I learned this really... Probably in the most effective possible way in like casually dating um because i was i would like go on a couple of dates with a person and be like this has been lovely and also i'm i'm not really interested in pursuing this any further um and i would catch myself being so over explainy after two dates like like i'd be like because i'm trying to like manage their perception of me and also like yeah make sure they understand i value them as a person like i'm I'm just trying to so hard to protect their feelings yeah um and i remember catching myself in the act of this at one point with this one specific person it's been like a year and a half ago and i literally like got out my notes app on my phone and was like okay i'm going to write out here if i were literally just saying to this person in the most simplistic terms what i need to say if mm-hmm. I were, like, not caretaking their feelings. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. It was literally two sentences. And we're done. <laughs> yeah. And then I allowed myself to, like, go down the rabbit hole of, like, okay, what is my instinct yeah. telling me to say? Like, my gut instinct that's trying to protect everyone involved. Yeah. Um, and it was probably three paragraphs. <laughs> and I think that was such a pivotal moment in me being, like, oh, this is the thing I do. Yeah. This is the thing I do. And honestly, the three paragraphs is probably not going to make the other person feel better. Yeah, Might no. Be worse. They're going to be scanning Might the worse. entire three paragraphs to figure <laughs> out those two sentences. Exactly. They're like, what about the pizza and the second date? I what? Know. I don't I don't know. I know. God, was it's... the cheese wrong? I don't oh, understand. It was such a stark, like, that That was such a, like, clarifying practice for me. I'm like, oh, no, I, I am trained to over-explain. I'm trained to write dissertations on every yeah. single choice I make. But yeah. I don't have to do that anymore. And other people don't have to hold that on my behalf. Yeah. It's a lot to hold. It's a lot. <laughs> it's also a lot to let go of, which I think is the, That's the I think is the harder part. That's the harder part. That's the letting go. Well, let's end this episode. It's let's been do an it. Hour Love y'all. Bye. <laughs>Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.